I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of Leia Foundation is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. We love you, Anchor. Hey, y'all. My name's Casey, and welcome to the fourth episode of Leia Foundation. Today, we are talking about Gibbons versus Ogden, which was argued before Marshall's Supreme Court in 1824. At this time in American history, the United States was expanding rapidly. In the four years before this case was brought to the court, Maine and Missouri became states, and Florida became a U.S. territory. This expansion is incredibly relevant as we contemplate not only the context, but also the implications and relevance of this case. This case really started back in 1798, a full 26 years before it made its way to the Supreme Court. I say that it started in 1798 because that is the year in which a New York state law gave Robert R. Livingston and Robert Fulton a monopoly on steamboat traffic, or an exclusive right navigating all boats that might be propelled by steam on all waters within the territory or jurisdiction of the state for the term of 20 years. In simpler terms, this means that these two men and their company were the only ones permitted to operate any vessel powered by steam or fire on any lake or river in New York State between 1798 and 1818. They also attempted to petition other states for this same thing, ultimately with the goal of developing a nationwide monopoly. Unfortunately for them, only the Orleans Territory accepted their petition, but they still held this exclusive right in all of New York State and now, additionally, on the Lower Mississippi. 
Interestingly enough, both Livingston and Fulton passed away before their 20-year monopoly had concluded in 1813 and in 1815, respectively. This left their company to their heirs, who offered licenses to other businessmen in the area so that they could operate on these waters while paying a fee. As anyone could probably imagine, Fulton and Livingston's competitors were not exactly thrilled about the fact that they were granted these rights in the first place. Aaron Ogden was one of these competitors. Prior to the monopoly's implementation, he had joined with others in the industry to argue that the power to regulate commerce was exclusively a right given to the federal government, and that ultimately the state of New York did not have a legal right to grant them this monopoly. However, after the law had been passed and Fulton had died, Ogden did purchase a license from Livingston and Fulton in 1815, and he entered into business with Thomas Gibbons, another steamboat owner who routinely did business between New York and New Jersey. However, this partnership was short-lived, and it crumbled in 1818 when Gibbons operated a different steamboat on Ogden's route, which had been licensed by the U.S. Congress, but violated the New York state laws. Due to this discrepancy, the state of New York denied Gibbons access to the Hudson Bay, even though he had been licensed federally to use these waterways. Once this decision was made in Ogden's favor in the Court of Chancery of New York, Gibbons appealed to the New York Court of Errors, who again ruled in favor of Ogden. This is when Gibbons further appealed to the Supreme Court, where his lawyer continued to build the same case. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the Constitution reads that Congress shall have power, quote, to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states, end quote. And his case was built on the notion that this clause gives Congress exclusive jurisdiction on matters of interstate commerce, or at the very least, that state laws cannot supersede these rights given to Congress by the Constitution. Further, the argument was that interstate navigation is inherently linked to interstate commerce and should equally be protected under this Commerce Clause. And so, the question before the court was as follows. Does the Commerce Clause give Congress authority over interstate navigation? Marshall's court ultimately ruled in Gibbons's favor. The primary justification was that the definition of commerce goes beyond just trade of goods and is any trade of commodities. Therefore, navigation must fall under the term commerce that is affected by the Commerce Clause, and so no state has jurisdiction over navigation management, but that right falls solely on Congress. Though it is never explicitly stated in the decision, this is further based on the Supremacy Clause, wherein state laws must yield to constitutional acts of Congress. While the court did acknowledge that these clauses do not expressly grant Congress the power to regulate navigation, Marshall's justification also hinged on the fact that all the states are connected by waterways, and, at the time, interstate commerce would be impossible without using the waterways to navigate. This renders the power to regulate waterway transportation necessary and proper for Congress to hold. In a direct quote from his decision, Chief Justice Marshall wrote the following, Few things were better known than the immediate causes which led to the adoption of the present Constitution. That the prevailing motive was to regulate commerce, to rescue it from the embarrassing and destructive consequences resulting from the legislation of so many different states, and to place it under the protection of a uniform law. Now, it may seem that this case does not bear a lot of relevance to our lives today, but this Supreme Court decision had much larger implications than its influence on New York navigation. 
The original motivation for the monopoly was that Livingston and Fulton were the first to design and operate a quote-unquote modern steamboat. Fulton would later be credited with the invention of the vehicle. If the court had ruled differently, the application of the invention would have been severely limited, and the United States might not have grown to what it is today. Remember that at the time of this case, the United States was quickly expanding. Specifically, the dismantling of these monopolies is what facilitated the settlement of the American West. Now, considering that the term settlement encompasses colonization of traditionally indigenous territories, I will not say that this is an inherently positive outcome, but it is undeniable that this case has had a key impact on the United States' development. In the legal sphere, this decision resulted in an increase of Congress exercising its authority over a range of topics in the American economy. Before I sign off, as always, here are our takeaways. Warren's court ruled that Gibbons's license granted by the federal government could not be restricted by New York state laws. This led to further expansion of the country, as well as increased freedom in the spheres of commerce and navigation between states. And that was lay a foundation for the case of Gibbons versus Ogden. See you next week. And in the meantime, check out the podcast on Instagram at at lay a foundation. Have a good one. 